uh, Steve and how Steve became such a competent football player, uh, Legrand always went by a nickname, and his nickname uh, is Grit. All right, it, it's, it's the name Grit, and he's kind of one of these tough, kind of older guys, and uh, kind of one story that symbolizes his grit is he, he used to go work out uh, at, a, at a gym uh, multiple days a week, and one day when he was there, he was middle-aged, father of five, a guy at the gym uh, kind of challenged him to a sit-up competition, and so they started competing every single week until they got to about 1,100 sit-ups each, all right? That's in a row, all right? So uh, 1,100 sit-ups each. And finally, his uh, challenger, the guy that had challenged him, uh, quit. And he said, all right, Grit, you've got the crown. You've you've won. But that wasn't good enough for Grit. And so that wasn't his personal best. And so he kept working until he was able to do 10,000 sit-ups in a row. 10,000 sit-ups in a row. That's how you get the nickname Grit. Right? That, that's how you get the name Grit. And uh, he, he did that for, for quite a while. And finally, he, he reached that level and decided that was it for him. And, and, and he stopped. So the story goes, and this will kind of feed into that story. The story goes that Steve, his son, decided to go to Brigham Young University to play football. And he just wasn't, Steve at the time, just wasn't good enough to start. He wasn't good enough to be the backup to the starter. He wasn't good enough to be the backup to the backup of the starter. And he wasn't good enough to be the backup to the backup to the backup of the starter. All right, so he, he, was, he was really far back. And after several weeks, he'd kind of been a high school star. After several weeks of just kind of not playing and being on the practice squad and all that, he called his dad, Grit, and he said, I want to come home. And his dad said, well, you can be done with football, but you cannot come home. He said, I'm not going to live with a quitter. That, that, that's, that's what his dad said, I'm not going to live with a quitter. And, and his dad would later say that he saw something in Steve that caused him to refuse to let him quit. And Steve continued to work hard. He went on to become uh, the lead quarterback at Brigham Young University. Uh, he went to be a quarter, on to be a quarterback in the NFL. He won three Super Bowl championships, a Super Bowl, Bowl MVP, MVP. He went on to seven Pro Bowls. And 18 years later, his net worth is somewhere around $50 million. Football worked out okay. Um, I heard this story, uh, the, the first time I heard this story, and I've, I've since researched it, just to kind of say it was in a book called Grit. Uh, and, and the book's not about Legrand, but it's a book called Grit, in which an author has decided to do a scientific study of perseverance and grit. And how we tend to think, uh, her, her idea is that we tend to think most of the success in life is found uh, in your ability and in your giftedness, and you just need to know that's not true. That the key to success in life is not found in your ability and your giftedness. The key to success in life is found in your grit. It is found in your ability to persevere. It is found in your ability to never give up. The key to life, she says, is passion and perseverance. It is finding something that you are passionate about, finding something that you feel strongly about, and refusing to give up. Your success in faith and your success in life will be determined by your perseverance and by your grit. Open up your Bibles to Hebrews 11. Um, that this wasn't just found in the book called Grit. This was originally found in the Bible, uh, although she doesn't really mention this chapter, but this is a, a chapter all about grit. And, and here's what I believe. I believe that God ha has placed a sense of passion for something in every one of our lives. Bill Hybels, uh, the, uh, a preacher from up in the Chicago area, he describes this as your Popeye moment. 
he describes that there's this moment where you see something and you think, just like Popeye did in, all, in, in those cartoons long ago where he'd see something and, and he couldn't take that it was that way and he'd grab a can of spinach and he'd open it up and he'd say, it's all I can stand, I can stand it no more. And he'd take down that spinach and he'd address the problem. Bill Heibel says that God has placed this sense of calling and this sense of passion in every person. Maybe for you, it's your family. And right now you're, you're raising small kids and you feel this deep thing inside of you that says, I wanna help these kids to grow. God placed that inside of you. Maybe for you, it's, you're a teacher and for you, it's teaching. You're like I am gonna teach these kids math if it's the last thing I do. And God has instilled in you a passion for that. Maybe for you it's your business and you own a local business. And I'm like, man, the, the thing that we do, our community needs this. For all of us, hopefully there's a spiritual component to this. There's a spiritual thing in us that is passionate about Jesus and his kingdom. And, and we have this desire to live according to his way and according to his will. God placed that inside of us. So here, I want to put my cards on the table of what this sermon is all about. Is I don't believe we can experience all that God wants us to experience without the attribute of grit without the attribute of perseverance. Because passion is from God. He's placed that inside of us. Passion is important. But along with passion, we need perseverance. We need grit. We need this never give up, never give in attitude. And, and this is why grit is so important. We'll talk about this more later. Because God knows where he's leading you. God knows where he's leading you. The writer of Hebrews will later say, he has a race marked out for you that he knows where he's leading you. Grit and perseverance is the way that you discover where that is, right? Grit and perseverance is the way that you stick with God through the ups and downs of the journey to discover where exactly he is leading you in this life and ultimately in, in the next life because he knows where he's taking us. Grit is how we find out where, where that is. And nobody really knows who uh, the writer of Hebrews is, and, and it's really not even relevant, all right, who the writer of Hebrews is. But just as kind of a side note, I've kind of penciled off in my calendar January uh, through April 1st, which is uh, Easter this year, so on April 1st, kind of funny, but um, that January through April 1st, we are going to be committed to studying the book of Hebrews. So we're going to be back in this book in January, and we're going to study the whole thing all the way through. But this book is written to Jewish Christians, and we talked about this before, but you can imagine how hard it must have been to be a Jewish Christian because you were raised with all this legacy and all this background of being Jewish and someday you became convinced that Jesus Christ is who he said he was and can do what he said he could do and you decided to become a Christian. Now at some point, you had to sit around a table with your Jewish mom and dad and your Jewish grandpa and grandma and your aunts and your uncles and you had to tell them that you've decided to be a Christian. All right, that had to have been an incredibly difficult conversation to have. And as time went on for these Jewish Christians that the writer of Hebrews is addressing, at some point uh, they, they were persecuted. Some of them had lost their families. It was incredibly difficult. And some of them were thinking about giving up. And some of them were thinking about going back to Judaism and just saying, it was easier back there. We're, we're, we're going to go back and we're going to be Jewish again. And so the book of Hebrews is about grit. It is about perseverance. It is about never giving up, never giving in. And especially chapter 11, where he kind of lays out to these Jewish Christians all of these stories of the faith that required grit. 
and they required perseverance. And so I want to show you just a few of them because I, I think sometimes grit is best seen and, and not defined. All right. So it's, it's best kind of seen. But he starts out, he, he, he tells the story of Abraham. And Abraham was the man who would later become the father of, of Israel. But before any of that, before he became the father of Israel and that whole thing, here's what God said to him way back in the book of Genesis. He said, go from your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Now, just out of curiosity, how many of you were born and raised somewhere in central Illinois? Right, you were, oh, a lot of you, okay. You were born and raised somewhere in central Illinois. So you understand what this is, that you've been born and raised in an area, so you've got all these family connections, all these friend connections. You probably have a career, you are established. This was Abraham's situation. He was established. He had family, he had friends, and God said, I want you to go. And Abraham said, okay, Lord, where would you like me to go? And God essentially said, start walking and I'll tell you when you get there. And this was Abraham's original calling. And notice what the writer of Hebrews says, Hebrews 11:8. He says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. All right, we tend to romanticize these people in the, in, in the Bible. Put yourself in his position for a minute. Leaving family. God told him to leave his family. Leaving family. The one kind of way in which Abraham was disobedient is he took Lot along with him, who was like a cousin. That was a just epic disaster. So he should have left Lot behind as well. But to leave his family and, and to leave his friends and to leave his, his career, this required grit. It required perseverance. And we know that it did. We, we, we know that it did because we're told that he lived in tents. You couldn't sell me on that. <laughs> Right? Roughing it for me is like, you know, three or four star hotel versus, you know, something even nicer. I, you know, I'm not living in a tent. I don't know about you. I'm just, I'm just not doing that. And so he lived as a stranger in a foreign country as well. And I've never lived in a foreign country. Has anyone here ever lived in a foreign country? Military, stuff like that? All right. A few of you lived in a foreign country. I've never done that. I've moved two states away. That's about as far as I've ever gone. And there were even differences there with that kind of minor move. As I remember when we first moved here, we were talking to some people about food, and a couple of people mentioned that their favorite food was this thing called a cheese toasty. And we're like, a cheese whaty? And they're like, a cheese toasty. And they started to describe it. I said, oh, you're talking about a grilled cheese. And I said, no, we're, we're talking about a cheese toasty. The, the other thing that absolutely threw me for a loop 11 years ago when we moved here was how short the yellow lights are here. It really bugs me. It really does, all right? And I've still not gotten over this in 11 years. You, yellow here means stop, all right? Because if you're approaching a yellow, it is about to turn red. There's no question about it. And, and I just wasn't, wasn't used to that. But so, so there, that's a minor, minor move. And here Abraham's left everything. He's gone to a foreign country. He's living in tents. He's left everything stable, everything familiar. Why would you do that? Why, suppose you could say that he and his wife had struggled with fertility and God had promised to make him into a great nation and they wanted to have a family and maybe they would do anything to do that and that's why they did it. And that would make sense except that it was a long time before they ever had kids. Um, 
As a matter of fact, the text is going to later say, I'm going to show you this. <laughs> I think this is just rude. Abraham is described as good as dead by the time he has children. I think that's just rude, all right? But that's how old he was. He's like, he's as good as dead. It's time for him to have a baby, right? And, and, and so, you know, none of this story makes sense, yet he persevered. Now, listen, I'm not trying to to paint Abraham as like a perfect picture of faith uh, because Abraham made a ton of mistakes. He, he lied about his wife being his wife and, and said uh, that she was his sister instead and got him, I mean, just epically in a bad position with his wife probably for the rest of their life. But um, he made a lot of mistakes. But this text is trying to teach us that in order to do what Abraham did, this requires grit. It requires perseverance. And the text tells us why he did it, Hebrews 11.10. He was looking forward. He wasn't looking at his circumstances now. He was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Why did Abraham persevere? He believed God was going to keep his promises to him. And he believed that God was up to something. Abraham could not have known what that thing was. It's impossible. He could have known what that thing was. But he believed God was up to something through his circumstances. And when your circumstances aren't going well, this is hard to believe, but it's true. That God was indeed up to something in Abraham's circumstances. And so Abraham said, the only thing I can do is I can show a little grit. I can show a little perseverance. I can hang out for a little while here while, while God is kind of working out the details of this thing that he's doing. And we know God was up to something, Hebrews eleven twelve, And so from this one man, and he is good as dead, <laughs> Just rude. I'm sorry, it's rude. All right? Um, I don't know what the writer Hebrews is, you know, poking these holes at Abraham, but came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand and the seashore. And so God eventually did form a nation. And out of this nation came a man named Jesus. And Jesus ultimately was the blessing to the entire world. And God was up to something. That's what I want you to see with Abraham. Abraham could not have known this fully. He couldn't have. But by faith, he trusted that God was up to something in these circumstances. God was putting the pieces of the, the chessboard together so that one day Jesus could be born and be a blessing to the entire world. Abraham couldn't have known all that, but he just trusted that God was up to something. The writer of Hebrews goes on to share the story of Moses and his parents, Hebrews eleven twenty three. 23. Uh, I kind of like this because I think Moses... Uh, gets a ton of like, love for his faithfulness and, and all of that's justified. I like that Moses' parents are getting a little love here, right? All the parents say amen, all right? So Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for months after he was, he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edicts. So you may remember how the buildup of this story happens, that God's people had moved to Egypt because of a famine in their land, and they were living in Egypt for a long time. And, and the Pharaoh in Egypt had always been kind to the Israelites who were living there uh, because he knew Joseph, that, that whole story of Joseph. And he'd always been kind to them. Well, at some point he died, and a new leader took over, and he saw all these Israelites living in his land, and here's what he thought, free labor. And so he went and he enslaved them and he mistreated them, and he killed them uh, by the hundreds and by the thousands, and he's doing all of this terrible stuff. So he orders that every boy be thrown into the Nile River, trying to control the population a little bit. Every boy uh, that's born be thrown into the Nile River, and Moses' parents give birth to him, and they say, yeah, we're not doing that. 
We're not gonna, we're not gonna throw, our, we're not gonna allow our son, not at least without a fight, we're not gonna allow our son to be thrown into the Nile River. So they hide Moses, uh, and anyone here that's ever been a parent understands this. They hid him until they could hide him no longer, uh, which was about three months. <laughs> and that becomes about the time where you can stop hiding your children, all right? Um, and so they, they hid him for about that, that long, and then they started hiding him kind of closer to the river and, and all that. And Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses there, and she brings him home, and she raises him to obey God over a ruthless dictator takes grit. I'm interested to meet Moses' parents someday. I, I think she's probably pretty sassy, right? right? Takes grit, takes perseverance, takes faith. And what caused them to do that? The text tells us they saw that Moses was no ordinary child and they believed that God was up to something with him. They believed he was no ordinary child and that God had a great plan for Moses. Right? And this is in case you're kind of putting this together. This is kind of a key to grit. So we're going to highlight it a couple more times. A key to grit is understanding that God is at work in your circumstances. And God is arranging things. And God is putting things in place. And your story's not the only story. There's a bigger story. And your story fits into that story. It is understanding that you play a role in a larger story. So they recognize that God had a plan for Moses. And so Moses grows up in the palace. And as he starts to get older, he starts to notice that his people are incredibly mistreated. People that look like him are, are mistreated, and he's offended by that, and he sees how they're enslaved. And look what the writer of Hebrews says about Moses. I think he got this attribute from his parents. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He, look at this, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Here's the interesting part. He regarded disgrace for the sake of, for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead. He was looking ahead to his reward. Super interesting. So what would cause someone to leave the, the, the luxury of the palace and go into the desert to suffer? That's a hard sell. It is. To leave the pleasures of the palace to go to the desert and suffer, why would somebody do that? He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. Wait, wait, let's pause for a minute here because Moses didn't know anything about Jesus. How could he regard the disgrace, uh, to be disgraced for the sake of Christ? He didn't know anything about Christ, but he knew the promise of God for his people and he knew God was up to something. Right? The, the, the writer of Hebrews inserts Christ. That, that, that's what it was. But he, he, he couldn't have known about Jesus, but he knew God was doing something. He knew that his story fit into a greater story and that that mattered. And so the only thing he could do was show a little grit and show a little perseverance and hang on, and someday all would be revealed. And this chapter is full of story after story after story of this kind of, it's grit, it's perseverance. It's faithfulness. Let me show you verse 32. And what more shall I say? I don't even have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith 
Through grit, they conquered kingdoms. They administered justice. They gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. Whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others, all right, so that's one group of people, shutting the mouths of lions, quenching the fire, raising the dead back to life. Then there are those who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet not one of them received what was promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So you've seen this refrain again and again and again in this text. Abraham, Moses, countless others. They are looking forward. They're not looking at their circumstances per se. They are looking forward to this thing they trusted God was doing, this thing they knew God was doing. And they knew that grit and perseverance was the only way either in this life or in the next to see what it was all about. But their faith and their perseverance was all about God is at work in my story. God is at work. God has a plan. So the thing I need to do is first I need to trust that. But the the thing I need to do is to persevere. It is to persevere. It is to stay faithful. It is to show some grit. And sometimes that perseverance is to be faithful in good times Right? As I was reading through that text, didn't you kind of hope, like, could I sign up for the first category? The shutting the mouths of lions, right? The quenching the fire, the raising people from the dead. That sounds like a great group to be a part of. Right? And sometimes faithfulness and perseverance looks exactly like that. And sometimes faithfulness and perseverance looks like staying true to God in difficult, trying, and hard times. But either way, it all flows from an understanding of saying, I believe God's up to something. I believe God's at work. And I believe there's a bigger story at play. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe that about you? It's easier to believe it about Abraham because we have his full story. It is easier to believe that about Moses because we have his full story. It is easier to believe that about all of the Bible uh, characters and, and, and the Bible people because we know their full story. Your full story is yet, not yet known. So it's harder to believe it for you. But I want to ask you again, do you believe this is true for you? Because I believe it is true for you. I do. I believe God is at work in your story. I believe God is at work in a bigger story. I believe God is up to something and you play a role. Your story plays a role in that. And the only way you find out what that thing is, there's only one way to find out what that thing is. It's grit. It's perseverance. It's refusing to give up, refusing to give in, refusing to lose faith because you believe God's at work in a bigger story. And I believe he is. I believe he's at work in your circumstances. I believe your circumstances fit into a bigger story of how God is working and God is preparing this earth. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it looks like, but God is. And we're not even called to know what it is. 
What we are called to is grit. So why persevere? Here's why you persevere. Because God is up to something. Put it on the screen for you. Why do you persevere? Because God is up to something. You are part of a bigger thing. So look at what the writer Hebrew says in chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning at shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know what the key to this is? Is we are called to run the race marked out for us. God has a race marked out for you. He does. I believe that with every fiber of my being. God has a race marked out for you. You run your race with perseverance. You run your race with grit. You refuse to give up. Now, can I tell you something? This is going to shock you. This metaphor doesn't really work for me. I hate running. Shocker, I know, right? Just, what? You look like a runner. No, I'm not, all right? Um, My whole staff at one point a couple years ago was doing this couch to 5K thing. And so I brought it home. I was like, I'm going to try this couch to 5K thing. Everybody's doing it. And that's just the kind of guy I am, right? If everybody's doing that, no, I'm teasing, but everybody's doing this thing. So I said, I'm going to try this. And I tried. I swear to you, I did. I tried and I tried and I tried. And what I discovered as I tried was I hate running. I do. Everyone said, no, you got to get to the point where there's a runner's high. There is no runner's high. It's a lie. It does not exist. There is no high. The only high I ever got was being done and eating ice cream. That gave me a high. There's no runner's high. So this imagery doesn't really work for me. So let me show you some imagery that does, like basketball or football. That's kind of more my thing. And in each of those sports, you have a lane. You have a job that you are supposed to do. So when I played basketball at my, at my college, uh, I was always one of the tallest people on the floor. Um, I'm almost always the tallest person in any room I walk into. Um, and so because of that, we played a 2-3 zone. Two defenders out front on, you know, that stretch around to the wings and, and then three kind of down closer to the basket. And I was always put right in front of the basket. If anybody comes near the, near the basket, knock them out, hit, hit the ball out of their hand, whatever. I guarded the basket. Um, just a little like bragging thing. This is like an old man bragging thing. So I, I understand that's what this is. But I actually led our conference in block shots that year. All right. Um, and uh, it's the only time I've ever had a statistic worth repeating. So, um, and so I defended that section of the court. I had a lane. I had a job. I, I did that job to the best of my ability. This is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to teach us, is that your, your story and your race is in the scope of a larger race. And so God has a race marked out for you. God has a bigger race that he's working on that he alone knows the big picture of. So what am I supposed to do? Run the race marked out for you. I think we sometimes think someone else's race is better. And man, I'd like to have a race that included a bigger house. I'd like to have a a race that maybe included a job that made more money, right? Maybe, Maybe you think that. Or I'd like to have a race that included this or that or the other thing. But here's the truth of the matter. You're not equipped to run their race. You're, you're, you're just not. And they're not equipped to run your race. You're running their race for you would be like me trying running. Like, I kind of hate this race because you're not equipped to run it. 
You are equipped. God has uniquely gifted you and helped you and, he, and, and enabled you to run your race. So run it well. And when I said this was a one-point sermon, here, here's my one point. Please don't give up. Please don't give up. Please don't ever give up. I think God often gives us these opportunities to see how our race fits into the bigger picture and grit and perseverance is how you see that. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes I think you see it uh, someday in heaven. But that's what I came here this morning to say to you. Don't give up. I know your race is hard right now. I know your race is taxing you right now. I know your race is difficult right now. But I'm telling you, God is at work. And God has a plan. So don't give up. And if you've ever wondered if that's true, here's what the writer of Hebrews says. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And you know what he means by that? You know what those witnesses are saying? God has a plan. Right? You think Abraham fully believed every day of his life that God had a plan when he was sleeping in a tent? And I know for some of you that sounds like a lot of fun. It doesn't to me. <laughs> it just does not sound like fun to me. All right? So, so I, I, I really, that, that certain part of the story really appeals to me. But no, he, he did not understand this every night when he's sleeping in a tent. Moses, when he was wandering in the desert, I don't think that appeals to anybody. When Moses is wandering in the desert, wondering where on earth he is going, he didn't understand this every moment of the day. But they are now our witnesses to be able to say, God had a plan the whole time. God was at work the whole time. God was doing his thing the whole time. And out of that sense of faithfulness, out of that grit, out of that perseverance came Jesus. And they didn't do everything perfectly. No, 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 they did not. Moses' wandering ended up being a little bit longer because he didn't do things perfectly. Abraham ended up in a lot of trouble because he didn't do things perfectly. But here's what they did do well. They didn't give up. They didn't give up. They trusted God and his plan, and they persevered. You know what the great cloud of witnesses also does for us? Um, sometimes when you're, I, I, I do this all the time. Sometimes when you're going through a hard season of your race, it can feel like nobody's ever had to run a race like this before. No, nobody's ever had a race this hard. Nobody's ever had um, a, a, a stretch of race this hard. It is uniquely bad. It is uniquely hard. Nobody's ever had to do this before, the great cloud of witnesses reminds us there have been some pretty tough stretches before too. There have been. There have been some people that have run some pretty uh, tough stretches and what they encourage us is to stay faithful and to stay encouraged and to not give up. They also remind us that, man, there were some very difficult stretches of Abraham's race, some very difficult stretches of, of Moses' race. There were some pretty good stretches too. There were some good stretches of Abraham. Abraham uh, ended up being really, really rich at the end of his race. Uh, Moses less so, but there were some good stretches of Moses' race as well. And some stretches are rough and some stretches are good. If you're in a tough stretch, it's not going to be tough forever. It's not going to be. My wife says it this way, that they're called seasons for a reason, right? And that seasons come to an end and new seasons come. And that's a really encouraging thing. So in all things, grit, perseverance, faithfulness, and we wait to see how our story fits in to the bigger story. So the writer of Hebrews says, as we close, let us throw off everything that hinders, everything that's hindering us from running our race. Let's throw it off. Um, what is hindering you from running your race? Maybe for some of you, you're like Job, all right? Job had a tough race, all right? 
Maybe for you, like Job, and, and you have people around you that are telling you to give up. That was Job's position. You have people around you telling you to give up. Maybe that's the thing that you need to throw off. Maybe it's your schedule, and you're having a hard time focusing on what God wants from you because you're so busy. Maybe that's the thing you need to throw that off. Maybe it's debt, and you know what God wants you to do, but you just can't afford it right now. Maybe that's the thing you need to work on and, and throw off. The writer of Hebrews encourages, throw all that stuff off. Make whatever changes we have to make to be able to run our race well. And here's the last thing. And then we fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus had himself some grit, didn't he? Jesus was gritty. Jesus is gritty. Jesus was one for perseverance, one for faith, that whole thing. He was full of grit. So he is the author and perfecter of faith. He's a picture of grit, a picture of perseverance, a picture of faith. He went to the cross. He endured opposition. And today he's at the right hand of God. So the writer of Hebrews says, if you want to fix your eyes on someone, you got a great cloud of witnesses. They're great. But fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He knows what grit is all about. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. God is up to something. Hold on. Hang in. Refuse to give up. God's up to something big. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your work. And Lord, I know um, the writer of Hebrews teaches us that you are indeed up to something. Um, And we don't always know what that is. That is sometimes a mystery. Um, and today, we just want to understand that it's okay to not know. We'd like to know, but it's okay to not know. Our job is to, to be full of grit and perseverance and to never give up. Help us to do that. By your spirit, help us to do that. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for that he is a picture of grit. We pray that we follow his example. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Will you stand? We're going to sing a song of invitation, and uh, I'd love to pray with you. If you have a prayer request or prayer need, and um, you just want someone to pray, man, I don't want to give up. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to give up. Man, prayer is a great thing to do. We want to pray for you uh, as you come forward. If you're interested in hearing more about the author and perfecter of grit and faith, Jesus, we'd love to start a conversation with you about that as well as we sing this song.